Turn in your hymnals now, please, to page 664, Make Me a Channel of Blessings. Please stand as we sing, Make Me a Channel of Blessings, page 664. If your life a channel of blessing is the love of That clock is really long. You're going to have a long service. It's only 9.30. Lord be with you. Good morning. Good morning. We're going to be in 1 Thessalonians. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5 this morning. See if we got this on. There we go. <clears throat> First Thessalonians chapter 5. It's a good day to be in the house of the Lord. Amen. Amen. It's been a, been a crazy week out there. It's good to be among Christians. First Thessalonians in chapter 4, or chapter 5, verse 4, it says, But ye brethren... It's in direct contrast to the verse just prior to that where it says, for when they shall say peace and safety. Chapter 5, verse 1 says, but of the times and of the seasons, brethren, ye have no need that I write unto you. For yourselves, for yourselves know perfectly that the day of the Lord so cometh as a thief in the night. 
when they shall say peace and safety, sudden destruction cometh upon them as travail upon a woman with child, and they shall not escape. Peace and safety. The outcome of this past week had little to no bearing on our mission. We need to be clear about that. A battle may have been won, but the war rages on against powers and against principalities. It rages on against spiritual wickedness in high places, against the rulers of the darkness of this world. And peace and safety is good, and we like to feel safe, and we like to feel as though we are at peace. But with that comes some exposure to danger. As we took time on Friday to remember our, remember our veterans, I'm sure that each one of them would have warned us about underestimating the enemy. To never take our focus off the prime objective. To never expose yourselves unprotected toward the adversary. To never trust the intelligence, even if it's sprinkled with a little bit of truth. To never assume that you know your enemy, that you'll know what they'll do, or you'll know what they'll say. And never, ever, allow the feeling of peace and safety to to disarm your senses. Or else sudden destruction will come upon you. This morning's message is entitled, Shine On. Let's pray. Father God in heaven, we're just so thankful that we can be in your house today among believers. Lord, we're thankful for your grace and your mercy that we surely don't deserve. And fathers, we'll take just a few minutes to look into your word. We pray that you would use it for your glory, for your honor. Lord, you've promised us that your word will not return void, and we'll hold you to that this morning, Lord. And we'll know that you won't... uh, that you'll do that, Lord, that you won't return void, that you'll use something in in this morning's message, in the word of God, Lord, to prick our hearts, to change our behavior, Lord, to serve the purpose that you've put us here for, and that's to let our light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify our Father which is in heaven. We'll thank you for it when we see it happen. In Jesus' name, amen. So in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5 and verse 4, it says, But ye, brethren are not in darkness, that this day should overtake you as a thief. That's encouraging, that we're not in darkness. We have the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. And we're not, we're not in the darkness of understanding or in, in, under any shadow of doubt. We don't have to be spiritually ignorant. I'm going to say that again. We don't have to be spiritually ignorant. We have a choice. You see, the unsaved are in a condition of spiritual darkness, in a state that that they're under a shadow of of really of unforgiven sin that that discourages their relationship with the Holy Father of God. But it says, but ye, brethren, are not in darkness. That that day, in order that, the day of the second coming of the Lord Jesus Christ, that we won't be overtaken, that we won't be that there will be no seas or, or that we won't be apprehended, that it won't come upon us or find us in a, without warning. We should be prepared because we're different than they. It says, but ye, brethren, are not in darkness. As I read through this, I thought, you know, will that day find me in darkness? Will it find you in darkness? Will it find you in anger when the Lord returns? Will it find you listening to something that is sinful? Will it find you watching something that undermines God's established family or his principles? 
Will it, find, will it find you looking at something that draws your attention away from the Lord? Will it find you surprised? Will it find me surprised? Will it find me in rebellion or seeking revenge? Will it find me causing division among the brethren? Will it find me doing that very thing you're thinking of right now? You know, years ago, I went through a process with the Department of Defense for a TSCSI full-scope poly security clearance. And they go through and they interview everybody, your neighbors and your, assume your relatives, your, uh, your teachers, and they come and do an interview at home. It takes about a year. One thing that, that scared me the entire time is the last part of the process was to sit down and be hooked up to a polygraph. Has anybody ever been hooked to a polygraph? I don't know why, but I was afraid of what they were going to ask me. Because all the things that I had done that I didn't want to be caught at doing came back to my mind. So what's that thing that you don't want to be caught doing when the Lord returns? Or will it find us in the light? Will it find us shining brightly, expectantly awaiting his coming, witnessing or reading the word of God? Will it find us in church? Or will it find us at prayer meeting? Will it find us seeking the best for someone else? Will it find us lifting up a fellow believer or, or encouraging a lost soul? You see, to the unsaved, Lord's coming will be as a thief in the night. It will be a surprise. But to Christians, it should be a welcomed return. It continues on in verse 5, and it says, Ye are children of the light and children of the day. We are not of the night nor of darkness. Amen. I thought about it. This verse should be the clearest, one of the clearest verses in Scripture to the believer. Ye are not... You're, ye are all the children of the light and children of the day. We are not in the night. You are God's children. Right. You're no longer a child of the devil. So what's that mean? We're no longer prone to serve sin. Or no longer, we no longer have to serve sin, should I say. Real quick, Galatians chapter 4 and verse 7. <clears throat> Just a few verses over. Galatians are pages over. 4 and verse 7 says... Wherefore, art thou no more a servant, but a son? And if a son, then an heir of God through Christ. We no longer have to serve sin. We no longer, as we're walking through the sin market, have to serve or have to buy their goods. You know, I, I told one time, I, I told a, had an illustration about the sin market, and I used Cowtown. And I said, you know, if, you, if you're going through Cowtown and that's the sin market. When you walk through there, you have to buy something, right? There's something you have to buy. But once you're saved and you're walking through the sin market, you don't have to buy their goods anymore. And I had a few people get upset because they thought I was beating up on Cowtown, which I'm not doing. I was using that as an illustration. But we no longer have to, we can walk through this world and no longer have to buy what, the, what, that, what the sinful world is selling. We no longer have a hope-so salvation, but a no-so salvation, right? Therefore, we are now under no condemnation. Right. Bible says there is therefore now no condemnation. Right now, there is no condemnation. Our sins are no longer counted against us. Praise God for that. In Psalm chapter 32, verse 1, <clears throat> The Bible said, Blessed is he whose transgression is forgiven, 
whose sin is covered. Blessed is the man unto whom the Lord imputeth not iniquity, and in whose spirit there is no guile. We're now perfect in his sight. You know, I've used the illustration before when I'm sharing the gospel that, you know, God in heaven cannot look down upon sinful man. And so when sinful man understands and, 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 and understands their condition before a holy God, that, they're, that they are sinful, that they need, they need forgiveness. They trust in the finished work of Jesus Christ, the death, burial, and the resurrection, the shed blood as the payment for the penalty of their sin. Then Jesus steps in between God and man, and all God sees is Jesus. He no longer sees us. So when Satan stands before him and says, ha, ha, look at David, look what he's doing, Jesus says, I've paid that price. When Satan stands alongside of God and he says, look at you and what you're doing, Jesus says, Father, I've paid that price. We're no longer under that condemnation. We're perfect in his sight. We have all the power of God available to us through the Holy Spirit of God to fight every battle that we're involved in, every battle that God puts us in. You have all the knowledge of God available to you through the word of God to answer every question that arises in our life. You know, I've been told before that, um, I don't say criticized, but I believe the Bible is black and white. I don't believe there's, there's any gray areas with the word of God. And I believe that every problem or every answer, every question that we have in life can be found in the word of God somewhere, in principle, very clearly. So we're not children of the darkness any longer. We're children of the light. And because of that, we should be, we should be looking for the opportunity to shine in our lives, in our relationships. In Acts chapter 13 and and verse 8, two men stood beside each other, Saul and Elimaeus. One was in darkness and one was in the light. And the Bible says that, but Elimaeus the sorcerer, for so was his name by interpretation, withstood them, seeking to turn away the deputy from the faith. Then Saul, who was called Paul, filled with the Holy Ghost, set his eyes on him. I thought about that. I don't know if I'd want Paul setting his eyes on me. (laughs) And he said, all full of subtlety and all mischief, thou child of the devil, thou enemy of righteousness, wilt thou not cease to pervert the ways of the Lord? There was one critical difference between Elimaeus and Paul here. You see, Paul was once Saul, right? He was unsaved. He was unconverted. He was unforgiven. He was unregenerated. He was unbelieving. But now Saul was the Paul of faith. Faith that the shed blood of Jesus Christ had the power to wash away his sins and thus be made righteous in the eyes of God. And that made him a child of light. The one difference that was, the one thing that was different about Alimaeus is that he was a child of the night, a child of darkness, a child of the devil. 1 John 3.10 says, In this the children of God are manifest, and the children of the devil. And whosoever doeth not righteousness is not of God. You see, Alimaeus was a sorcerer. But Saul was a murderer of Christians. Elimaeus had no faith, but Paul did. And there's no middle class in this economy. There's the light, and there's the darkness, 
and there's the saved, and there's the lost. And only, a ch- only the children of the light can be righteous because they're made righteous by God. Romans 5.19 says, For as by one man's disobedience, many were made sinners. But by the obedience of one, many shall be made righteous. And we're hidden behind Christ that our light may shine before men. And this should prompt us to emulate Christ <clears throat> and behave like Christians. And shine on. Romans 6.6 6 says, Knowing this, that our old man is crucified with him, that the body of sin might be destroyed, that henceforth, from this point forward, we should not serve sin, like children of the light would do. So shine on, brethren. Verse 6 continues, it says, Therefore, let us not sleep as others do, but let us watch and be sober. Therefore, because of everything we've just, because we're not children of the darkness, but children of the light, Because of everything that God's done for us, therefore, let us not sleep as others do. Let us not sleep as the unsaved do. Let us not sleep as the world does, walking through life life which seems to be somewhat oblivious and ignorant to the truth around them. But let us be mindful. Let us be wakeful. Let us be expecting the coming of the Lord. And do it in a way that's sober and, and modest. Therefore, let us not sleep as others do, but let us watch and be sober, refraining from carnal indulgences and mental leadings and sensual influences. 1 Peter 5.8 says, Be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary the devil, as a roaring lion, walketh about, seeking whom he may devour. You know, Satan, we all know this, is not all-knowing as God is all-knowing. But Satan is us-knowing. He, he knows all about you and me. He's been around for a while, and he knows our history. He's identified our weaknesses. He's identified our struggles and our desires, and he'll use them against us. Philippians 4.8 says, Finally, brethren, whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are honest, and whatsoever things are just, whatsoever things are pure, and whatsoever things are lovely, and whatsoever things are of good report, he says, if there be any virtue... And if there be any praise, think on these things. This is how we shine in a dark world. These things are in direct contrast to the things that that the Bible says others do. In verse, verse 6, Therefore, let us not sleep as others do. In direct contrast to those things. The truth is, I'd hate to... I hate to say this, but the world sometimes acts a little better than we do out there. But the light of God's justness and the light of his purity and the light of his love and the light of his holiness are only able to be illuminated and magnified by a Christian. We should be letting our light shine. So don't be found sleeping on the job. Keep in the battle. Remain on the firing line. Truth is, we need each other in the battle. There's a battle right now, a fight that you're facing that that I can't fight. And God has put you, he's decided that you're the best person to put in the situation that you're in right now. I probably couldn't handle it. We need to keep Thornton and his family in prayer right now. 
And we go through these things, God gives us the, the, the strength and the, and, the, and the energy and the, and the encouragement to, to battle those things. But right now, you're, each one of us are in a, in a battle, in a situation that God decided that we're the best person for that job. And so in that situation, your situation, whatever that is, wake up, watch, be sober, and shine on. The next two verses, we see a comparison of, of night and day. It's a reminder of the contrast between the two. Verse 7, it says, For they that sleep, sleep in the night, and they that are drunken are drunken in the night. What are some things that, that you do at night? I know for the most part I'm, I'm sleeping. That's typically the times that the, the clubs, the nightclubs are most filled. There's some increase of certain crimes during the night that take place. Most vices are carried out during the night, generally speaking. And under the camouflage of darkness, the world thinks that they're hiding from someone. But in the eyes of God, they're not. For the eyes of God, the, the, or the, the eyes of God behold the good and the evil. So when we contrast that with the day in the next verse, we see a noticeable disparity. It talks about, uh, you know, it's, it talks here, even sleeping or, or drinking, and I, I or being drunk. I know that um, I know that the, there's people that work night night work, so you're sleeping during the day. So take no offense to this, but but typically, if you're sleeping during the day, you're drunk during the day. Even the world sees that as being shameful. And even when I worked night shift, I found that it was it was hard to sleep during the day. It was it's a day's time for action. And it says, but let us who are of the day, be sober, putting on the breastplate of faith and love, and for a helmet, the hope of salvation. Let us, let us Christians be different from the world. Let there be a stark contrast between the things that we're doing and the things that the world's doing. It says be sober, be modest. And then we see faith and hope and love, the three pillars of grace. 1 Thessalonians 1.3 says, Remember without ceasing your work of faith, your labor of love, your patience of hope, and our Lord Jesus Christ in the sight of God our Father. Verse, uh, Corinthians, 1 Corinthians 13.13, 13, Now abideth faith, hope, charity. These three, but the greatest of these is charity. In Ephesians, you'll turn with me to Ephesians. Chapter 6. Ephesians chapter 6. <clears throat> verse 10. Very familiar verse here. It says, Finally, brethren, be strong in the Lord and the power of his might. It says, Put on the whole armor of God that ye may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, against principalities against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. Wherefore, take unto you the whole armor of God, that ye may be able to stand, withstand in the day of evil. And having done all to stand, stand therefore, having your loins girt about with truth, and having on the breastplate of righteousness, and your feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. And above all, taking the shield of faith, wherewith ye shall be able to you shall be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God, 
praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit, and watching thereunto with all perseverance and supplication for all saints. And for me, that utterance may be given unto me, that I may open my mouth boldly to make known the mystery of the gospel, for which I am an ambassador in bonds, that therein I may boldly speak as I ought to speak, that we might shine brightly in a dark world for all those things. So, I'm sure there's got to be somebody out there other than me that thought about this and said, you know, but it's hard. It's hard to shine in a dark world. I'm feeling like I'm, I'm swimming upstream. You are. Against the flow. I constantly feel like I'm, I'm fighting the flesh, and you are. But with the Spirit of God. I feel defeated sometimes. And it's true, in the flesh I am, but not in Christ. Not in Christ. The question is not what, what you or I can do. The question is what can God do? Harold Seitler, I don't know if anyone has heard Harold Seitler preach. He preached a message called, Can God? It's a little crazy, so if you look it up on the internet and watch it, you better buckle your, buckle your seatbelts. Um, he addressed a number of things that asking the congregation, can God do this? And of course, God can. And they're not the same questions that we're talking about today, but in principle, they're the same. Can God navigate my waters? God can. Can God help me crucify the flesh? God can. Can God help me to defeat the power of Satan in my life? God can. Can God enable me to shine on? Can God help me to defend, defeat my, the temptations? Can God enable me to be a witness? Can God shine in darkness? God can. So shine on, brethren. Wherever God has put you, whatever situation God's put you in, shine on. Once again, the Bible says, let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father, which is in heaven. We have one purpose. In Sunday school, we're, talking, we're going to be talking today about the church What's the purpose of the church, primarily? And the purpose of the church is for one reason, and one reason alone, to glorify God. Amen. That's the purpose of the church. And it's easy to say. It's easy to say, God can. Of course he can. So how do I get started? I'm going to make one suggestion this morning, and that is that you look beyond the cracks there's things that are, that, are, that are just, if I feel like I'm defeated, look beyond the cracks. Some years ago, I, I heard an illustration by a preacher, and he said that he had some cracks in his wall at home. And uh, so he called in a painter, and he had the painter come in, and he painted the cracks. And just a few weeks later, the cracks reappeared. So he called the painter back up, and he said, look, I, cracks are back, can you come fix them? This time he came back and he took a little bit of putty and he puttied up the cracks and painted over top of it. And it lasted a few weeks longer, but nevertheless, the cracks came back and, they came not, and there were more cracks this time than ever before. So he called the painter back and he said, listen, he said, the, the cracks are back and they're, they're all over the place. And the painter said, I, I understand that. He said, but you don't have a problem with cracks. He said, what do you mean I don't have a problem with cracks? I'm looking at the cracks in my wall. He said, no, you have a problem with your foundation. He said, you have a shifting foundation. 
He said, the cracks you see in your walls are only a symptom of that problem. It's a symptom of a deeper issue. He says, if you want to fix the cracks in your walls, you have to fix the foundation. If you don't fix the foundation, you will ever, forever be doing patchwork on your wall. So what are the symptoms today that keep us from shining, light, shining bright in the dark world? Do we have a crack ang- or anger crack or rebellious crack or a discouraging discouragement crack or discontent or a worldliness crack or a self-righteous crack or a prideful crack? You see, we need to fix the foundation so that the symptoms stop reappearing. And how we do that hasn't changed. That's one thing I like about the gospel. It's so simple that even a child can believe it. And every problem that we have is so simple. If we just simply do what God says, we communicate with God that God can fix it. So are we spending time in the word of God daily? Are we injecting the source of truth each day? A lamp with no fuel cannot burn just as, a, as the light of a Christian without the word of God. Are you talking to God continually? You know, a light element cannot burn bright unless it's encased with the proper reactant. So are you fellowshipping with God actively? You know, it's one good thing I, I love about, the, about salvation is it seals my relationship with God. The one thing I don't like about it is that my fellowship is so easily break and broken. And each day, I can break my fellowship with my God. But I can be encouraged that God says that if I go to him and I ask forgiveness, that he'll forgive me. Then we need an active source of energy. Are you actively looking for the opportunity to shine? You know, electricity to, to a bulb serves no purpose if the bulb doesn't, doesn't shine. Just as for us, if our bulb doesn't shine, it serves no purpose. So fix the foundation. Find out what that is, what the cracks are. Fix the foundation and let your light shine. But ye, brethren, are not in darkness, that that day should overtake you as a thief. Are you dabbling in darkness? Are you somewhere you shouldn't be? You are all children of the light and children of the day, and we are all children... and not children of the night, nor of darkness. Therefore, let us not sleep as others do, but let us watch and be sober. Are you sleeping? Are you sleepwalking through life unaware? Are you watching? Are you aware of the dangers and avoiding them? And are you sober? Are you filled with the world or filled with the Spirit? For they that sleep, sleep in the night. They that are drunken are drunken in the night. But let us who are of the day be sober, putting on the breastplate of faith and love, and for a helmet, the hope of salvation. Be sober, free from carnal indulgences. Put on the breastplate of faith, that credence. Put on the breastplate of love, that charity. And put on the helmet of hope, that confidence. That'll preach. Because we have a salvation that we have confidence in, that we can look forward to. And we can go out into this dark world and we can shine and shine bright. We have responsibility, just as those who come across the word of God and the message of salvation have a responsibility to 
to believe in it. We need to believe in the Word of God, believe that it is active, believe that it can change our lives, believe that it can be purposefully used in our life. To simply read the words of it will serve no purpose if we don't go out and we don't make it active, if we don't shine in this dark world. I have a feeling that that peace and safety are going to be a problem for Christians in the days to come. And we can't allow that to happen. We need to continually be fulfilling our purpose to share the gospel, to be a light in this world. If you're here today and you do not know Jesus Christ as your Savior, you have responsibility as well. The Bible says that if you confess your sins before a holy God, he's willing to forgive those sins. If you'll understand and recognize that you're a sinner and that you'll trust that Jesus Christ paid the penalty that you could not pay, a price that you were unable to pay. He paid it for you, and he said, I'll put this on your account, and all you have to do is believe it and accept it. If you're here today and you have questions about your salvation, please talk to somebody today. Don't walk out of here without knowing for sure that you have a relationship with Jesus Christ. You've all heard all the verses. I'm sure you've sat here long enough. You could give the plan of salvation. But if you haven't trusted, if you don't have that relationship, then you're unable to shine. You're unable to fulfill your purpose for God in this age, in this church age. And that's to shine that he might receive all the glory and all the honor that he deserves. Let's pray. Father God in heaven, we're just thankful once again for your goodness, Lord. We're thankful for the word of God. Lord, once again, I've said it before, by simply reading your word, Lord, you told us you won't return void. Father, I just thank you for what you've done in my life through this passage, Lord, and I pray that, that you would do a work in our church, Lord, beginning with me, to be able to go out into this world and to be a light, Father, to bring them in, to see souls saved for your glory, for your honor, and we'll thank you for it in Jesus' name, amen.